Jesus, the name above every other name. Y'all ready? Aren't you glad you made it to the house of God? You made the effort to make it to the house of God. I know I was complaining about the city and parking here and how they held us up for so many months over parking, but if you couldn't find a parking spot, because God is causing our church to grow. Um, we have a, an agreement now with our neighbors at Footprints. Just park there and there's an opening in the fence and if you're having trouble finding parking. So thank you, we're gonna be good neighbors to them. And thank you, Lord, for giving us more and more. Uh, in the church, I feel like the church is the hope of the world. I think it's the only hope of the world. And the world is a broken place. Uh, I'm preaching next a sermon series um, uh, about called Death of a World and how the resurrection changed all of that and how Jesus is the only hope that the world has. And you're going to love that right around Easter time. Please bring people. We are planning a party. It is going to be incredible for Easter. Now, this sermon um, is interesting. I work on my sermon five days a week. So, and yesterday at 2.30, it changed. And this morning, about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and so God is, um, I think, tailoring this to what you need right now. So let's show the respect to the Lord as I preach about marriage. Let's show the respect to the Lord that the Lord deserves because the Lord can change everything in your condition. And so um, I'm just going to get into it today. Uh, I was going to preach about kids today as well. And um, if you were at the first service, we've never had a service like that. That was really odd. But um, I feel like just I got to the end and I'm like, I and I just asked people like what landed and I feel like God has given me something very specific. Look, everything that we do, we take great care as a church, just so you know, great care because we care about people. A life saved is worth everything to us. But we take such great care, not so that we can be in charge of that, so that the Holy Spirit can come and do whatever he wants to whenever he wants to do that. And so we tell the worship team, like, hey, just stay open because whatever God wants to do, that's what we're going to do. And so um, let me start in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Now, I got to preach about marriage like I preach about it to my kids. And I know you've got history and I know that you've got authority problems and I know that your marriage isn't working and I know you've been trying and I know that it was working and you were some, like some of us were married and we're not some of us want to be married some of us are married and we wish we weren't come on church that was a trap don't say amen to that your husbands are like no I'm super happy with this listen whatever your circumstance and whatever your situation is God is the great redeemer and God can do anything. And if God can fix my marriage with Pastor Aaron, God can fix anything. And all the people said, amen. Genesis chapter two, one of the first words that God says to the human race, then the Lord God said, it is not good. Everybody say not good. For the man to be alone. This is when the Holy Spirit, who's like the mom of the Trinity came and said, do you know what he's doing down there? You made Adam and you gave him a garden and you filled it with toys. It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper. Everybody say safety officer. <laughs> Who's just right for him. Listen, I feel like what's happening is God is trying to set you up for success and you're trying to, uh, you're, working on the, you're working on the results all of the time. This is what we got to do. We got to work on the obedience, then the results belong to God. And so we're going to talk about obedience. We're going to talk about very specific things today in marriage where we got some stuff wrong and you're, I'm just going to like unload it to you as if I'm talking to my daughters and my daughters have never said to me when I'm talking to them about marriage and future, like, what do you want from me? 
because I don't want anything from them. I want something for them. And I just don't want to have to sit here and massage this for three hours to convince you that God meant what he said and how we're supposed to treat each other. And if we would do this, then God is like, hey, man, this is the path. Obedience is the path for me to unlock things in your life. And I feel like somebody's like, you don't know my situation. If you would have seen our situation, you would be very grateful for your situation. And God still somehow redeemed us. Now, not everybody gets, and there are things and the water goes under the bridge. But God has a future for you and a plan for you and a destiny for you. And we're going to see it through. All right. Um, and God has a safety officer for you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> you know, have you ever watched like Fail Army and those videos of... Do you know who's never on there? Women. <laughs> Who would drive us to the hospital? Somebody's got to be responsible in this lifetime. Um, <laughs> I feel like God was in heaven and he's like, it's too quiet down there. Now I have four daughters and I have never at one time when it's too quiet in the house thought to myself, they're destroying something. Now moms with boys, you have a mom radar. And if you have boys, you know, like, and when things get too quiet, I'm going to be preaching about kids next week and how we train kids and how we discipline kids and why and what discipline is about and what it can't be about. And it can't be about you, mom. And it can't be about you, dad. It has to be about the kid and how empowering that is and how God sets these things up. And if you teach your children, you have to teach them before you teach them how to think, you got to teach them two things. Because if you teach them to think first for themselves, the enemy is going to trap them. There's two other things that the scriptures say, you got to teach your kids this. And then their thinking will belong to God. That was me choking on something. Oh, okay. Now listen. Marriage is all about a power struggle. And I hope, even if you're not married, I hope you're sowing good seed into people's marriages by praying for them. Because marriage is a street fight. And we have got to get marriages on the page that God has, has designed them to be on. And so people need your help. You, you, have, you have married people who are like struggling right now. You need to be praying for marriages and helping and taking the load off as you can. And, and I, as I can too. But it is, a, it is a struggle. It's a power struggle. You know what I think? I think 80% of our time in marriages is spent fighting about two things. Are you ready? Roles. Like who does what? And hierarchy. Who gets the say in this type of situation? You know what we could be doing is spending all of our time on the 20%, which is the actual issue. What if uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I could gang up together against the issue and just deal with that? And so what if uh, I'm just going to go through the scriptures today and talk about it. I'm just going to be honest and you're going to love it. If you're being quiet, I'll know like, hey man, we're just going to preach the scripture. There's this whole thing out now that's like this woke ideology that like, hey, we've evolved past some of these things. And I'm like, look, you can try to get a car to climb a tree and think it's smart up there, but it's never going to be happy up there. And God wants his kids happy. And he wrote down a book about how to like find happiness because happiness comes from God and the result of, of a life of obedience is happiness and fulfillment. I don't mean everything goes your way, but I mean, there's happiness and fulfillment in spite of all that the enemy is trying to do in your life. Now, listen, when pastor Aaron and I were, were uh, dating with each other, I remember one particular power struggle that we had is that I, I said to her, now I grew up in a family with two very strong parents. So like, uh, neither of my, sometimes an assertive person and a passive person will be kind of attracted to each other because one has all this energy and the other one's just okay with life. You know, and sometimes, most of the time, that's what happens. My parents were like two alphas. And like, my dad is strong, but my mom, man, have you met my mom? She came up ahead of the service and it's like, don't use that phrase. She doesn't say it like that to me anymore. She says, just a thought. 
And I'm going to show you, hey, I'm going to show you how extended family fits into all of this too. You're going to love it. This is going to be like, yes, free from the in-laws, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And so do your in-laws. And I'm going to explain that too. <laughs> so pastor Aaron and I, you know, when we were, uh, before I was a pastor, obviously we were dating each other. And I remember saying to her, I saw her pick up something and I'm like, I'm like, wow, you're pretty strong. And, uh, I came from a boy home with like strong parents and, uh, and she looks at me and she's like, what do you mean by that? I didn't know the traps cause I didn't have any sisters. So I didn't know. I'm just like, uh Oh, she goes like strong for a girl. And I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're a girl though. Right. Right. Like, I'm like, you're a girl. Like, obviously you're like, tell me now. I'm just like, you know, silence is your, is your ally, man. I was like, yes. <laughs> and she says to me, you could not wrestle me if I didn't want you to. And I knew the Holy Spirit showed me in that moment or something did. I'm like, and it didn't seem unpleasant to wrestle her at the time. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so I said, are we doing this? All right. You want a shot of the title? And she goes, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, that's why you're not going to win. Now, I didn't pin her down in like 10 seconds. It was thunder and lightning. <laughs> I remember, and it wasn't unpleasant. And I remember I had her pinned pretty quick and she couldn't, she couldn't move and she couldn't do anything. I've been working since I was like 14, you know, and, and I, and listen, there's a lot of bigger guys, but I'm wiry. I'm sarcastic. I'm strong on the inside. No. <laughs> so, so I had her pinned down and I'm like, I feel like we should say, I feel like you should say something to commemorate this great moment in your life. I'm like, you're a bit of a tigress. I said, why don't you say I'm a tigress? And she's like, I'm not saying that. I'm like, okay. She's like, are you going to let go? I'm like, no, I feel like you need to say I'm a tigress. <laughs> After about a minute when she realized I wasn't going to let go, she's like, fine, I'm a tigress. And I'm like, that was okay, but I couldn't really hear you need to say it a little louder. I'm a tigress. I'm like, sorry, they can't hear you outside. I feel like they need to, I feel like somebody out there needs to know. I'm not going to say it louder. I'm like, okay, I got nothing but time, man. This is not an unpleasant situation. I'm happy. I'm a tigress louder. I'm a tigress louder. I'm a tigress. I'm like, yeah, you are. There's this, as I'm telling that it's like funny, right? But then there's this tension of like, <gasps> because there's this power struggle of like, wait, 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 who has to say, and who does this and who does what? And, and we spend all of our time trying to fight out and carve out this place and defend it. When God is like, I am your defense. I am your strong tower. Why don't you do what I tell you in the family and how this all works? You're going to find out about kids next week because society, the way that you're telling you to raise your kids, they're like, Hey, give them any menu they want to order off of. And God's like, my cook only makes this and it's always great. And it always works. There's so much I could just come back next week. Even if you get mad about this one. All right. Um, Ephesians chapter five. This is not the scripture I preached in the first sermon. I'm sorry, Alish, for the heart attack I gave you and Patrick up in the tech booth. Three minutes into the service. Out of respect for Christ, this is what the Holy Spirit says, be courteously reverent to one another. Is that what you do? Okay. Wives, what's he going to do? No, this is the God, your heavenly father talking to you. So listen up, listen up. 
He doesn't want anything from you. He loves you. He's like, hey, I'll show you how to have a great life. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. Whoa. Well, what if he doesn't deserve it? Show your support in ways that show your support for Christ. See, marriage is not supposed to be this you versus me thing. I preached in the first service all about like Adam and Eve and the, the devil aiming them at each other. And then Adam throwing Eve under the bus and you know what I mean? No, 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 no. A marriage is you and the other person and Jesus in the middle. Three. You, the other person, and Jesus. Show your submission and your support and your help and your, as you would to Christ. That shows how well you're doing with Jesus. And well, you're like, well, the other person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And Jesus is like, neither did you forgive anyways. Well, they don't deserve kindness. Neither do you. I was kind with you. Do this as unto the Lord. And if you take that out and quit reaching over Jesus, can you imagine like reaching over Jesus in the back seat of the car and trying to like smack your husband into loving you more? It doesn't work. Let Jesus do his job and you do your job. All right. The husband, it says, provides leadership to his wife and anybody who wants leadership doesn't understand what leadership is. It just hurts a lot. I would love to not be the pastor of this church. I would love to be any place else and just love, come in whenever I want and love Jesus and have nobody hate me for preaching about marriage. Leadership means you get to serve more and you get to serve harder and it hurts more and everything costs more. The husband provides leadership just the way that Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands go all out and now listen, if you think that's hard women, watch this. Husbands go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by getting, not by, uh, by giving, not by getting. Meaning uh, Christ also, it says in another translation, sacrificed himself for her on a cross. So if you think submission is hard, try submitting to a cross. And God is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The higher you go, the more it costs. And it says, watch this. His words evoke her beauty. Christ's words evoke the beauty in the church. And your words, man, ought to evoke the beauty of, of her. Now, this is what we do, though. The husband always tries to get the wife to respect him. And the wife always tries to get the husband to love her. And Jesus is like, just do your thing. I'm preaching this to you. And I'm preaching this to you. Like, when I marriage counsel, I'm like, I'm saying this to you. I'm not saying this to you about it. I'm saying this to you about you. And I'm saying this to you about you. Do your thing and let God work on the rest. Okay. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best out of her, dress, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness, and that is how us husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds it, he pampers it. That's how Christ treats us. And all the women are like, yes, I'm a princess. No, no, princess has got to work too. You're still a daughter of God. You still got to work. Oh, you didn't like that. I live in a house with five women. I'm allowed to say stuff. God has taken a very non-emotional, well, I, I, that's not true. I'm very emotional deep down, but I'm not like a lot of touchy feely cry a lot, but God gave me four daughters and I love them all. And I've learned how to be in touch. Thank you, Jesus. All right. This is how Christ treats us, the church, since we're part of his body. And that is why a man leaves, watch this, leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. Another version says what God has won, you can't unwind. So it's like pouring two things into the same pitcher. 
Don't separate it. Watch that you never get between somebody and their marriage, all right? No longer two, they're one flesh. This is a huge mystery. And he goes, I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Now, um, how God designed you has not changed. And as long as you're trying to go against your design, you will never be happy. So as long as you're a car up in a tree and you've somehow wedged yourself up there, you're still not going to be happy up in a tree because it's not the way that God designed cars to, they're supposed to be on the road. And if you want uh, life to be happy, then you have to obey God and how he designed you and how God made you. Now, um, I'm going to talk about family hierarchy God's way because the higher you go, the more responsibility you have and the more things that can go wrong. So in our family, I'm going to talk about kids next week, but like Neela is my fourth girl. She's in charge of one person called Neela. She lives the Neela life. It's like, where am I? How many cupcakes are there? You know, like what country do I live in? Who's helping me get to the places that are fun? Um, Now, Katie is responsible in some regard for Katie and Neela. So Neela's responsible for her room, and now she's taking out the garbage. Neela shoveled snow for me all winter all winter. So she is like growing in her responsibility. She's doing a great job. Katie is more responsible because she's responsible for two people. Really. She has to look out for her little sister. And as we get up to like Ailish and as we get up to Arwen, Neela never in a day in her life wants to be Arwen because that's a lot of work. Come on, oldest siblings. Come on. Say amen. You know, it's true. The youngest kids, they get away with anything. Okay. Family hierarchy. Then mom is now in charge of mom and the children in the sense of like, I answer for these in some regard. Now, the higher you go, now this is what I noticed. When I was single, it was my needs I was looking out for. Now I have six people's needs, and my needs, until they come into the family context, my needs and my wants and my desires really come in behind five other people because I'm there to serve them. Now, my needs are not insignificant. My voice is not insignificant. Nobody's is, but I have to understand that if it's like a cascading thing, I'm responsible in the lowest place to make sure that everybody gets what they need and everybody's like evoking their beauty and bringing out the best in them and making sure that I'm not setting them up to fail. Okay, now, if my needs, and I do have needs, uh, affect and bring the family forward, then those needs ought to be addressed in my home as well. That's how he's like, is this good for the family? Then that's a great need to fulfill. If it's just like, I want a red car instead of a blue car, that is not a need, gentlemen. It is just a want. And red cars are amazing. Okay. Now listen, God took a rib out of Adam's side, not out of his feet that he should lord over, out of his side and equal in value, but that does not mean equal in task and equal in anointing and equal in role. So an equal, not out of his head that should rule over him, but equal. Now man is the head of the home, but uh, in, in the scripture in Adam and Eve, when everything falls apart in the garden, who, in the garden, who did God come and talk to? He didn't go to Eve. He went to Adam and he's like, dude, what happened? And then Adam and the first bus throwing under, it's like, uh, Eve and throws her under the bus and then tries to throw God under the bus. Like you gave me this girl. And God's like, Oh dude, like, no, you are answerable. You are answerable. You are answerable. God is coming to look to you. And so I just wanted to explain that. Now, if you are a, a man who doesn't understand leadership and I saw my dad's generation do this, not my parents, they were great at this, but their generation who raised us, they were like, the husband's like, I'm the Lord of this house. I can do whatever I want. I'm the pastor of my home. Okay, you're not. That's not scriptural. Don't be weird. 
You are a king and a priest unto God, but you are not the king and priest of your home. Like every man and every woman is a king and a queen and a priest unto God, but that doesn't make you the king of your home. You are responsible for your home. Yes, in some regard, you do shepherd people, but that doesn't mean that God anoints you to pastor them. That's a very, very different uh, anointing. And so I was, when, when my, my father was my pastor, I taught my daughters, love your pastor, love somebody. Somebody brought their uh, little girl over and she's like, hey, I made this, I made this drawing for you this morning. I'm like, you did this or your mom did this? Cause this looks really good. She's like, it was me. My mom can't draw. And I'm like, she's teaching. She's teaching. She didn't say that. She's teaching her daughters this respect for the house of the Lord. And, and it's such a powerful thing. You can't just, it doesn't begin and end with you. Cause then one day, if that's the case, then all of their problems when they're teenagers will begin and end with you. And that's not what you want. Okay. Why am I talking about this? All right. Now let's go into, let's go into Everything in my home doesn't have to run through me to get to my kids. Now I can do an end run and I can make some decisions. I'm going to talk very practically about that, but I am on the hook for them all. And I am answerable. You've got to get out of your head that you are only answerable to Jesus. You know who wants you to think that? The devil. You are not just answerable to Jesus. You are answerable to Jesus and whomever he says that you are answerable to. That is also being as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Jesus, God chooses God. And listen, God only anoints whom he appoints. God only anoints, and you need the anointing in your marriage. You needed it with you. If you have kids, you need, every family needs the anointing because that's what keeps the devil off your back and keeps the Holy Spirit front and center in your life. You need the anointing, and God only anoints whom he appoints, and you cannot reach up and take that position. I've learned in my life, you cannot reach up and take what God has not given because he does, he, he does not support your decision-making. He, he supports his and his plans for your life. Come on, say amen. It's good. All right, um, what if my husband wants me to sin? That's a good question. What if he wants me to sin? Let me, I'm going to explain to you a little bit about just very practical things about this from a biblical standpoint. Um, first of all, God uses your obedience because it's difficult for a woman, and I get it. And I, I was praying with a, a, one of the great venue gals after the first service. I'm like, okay, God will use your own obedience to unlock him. Right? So you've got to understand that. God uses your obedience to get a better result in other people. And so sometimes it's like, well, my husband doesn't follow Jesus. My wife doesn't follow Jesus. Okay, God will use your obedience. I'll talk about mutual submission, I think, if I get to it here. But God will use your obedience to whom? To him. To him. We honor, we love, we cherish, we lay down our lives for him. I'm not doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for God because God told me to. And God uses that to bless her. And God, because that's what we want. I can, I can only bless so far, but I need the blessing of God in my home. So what if God, what if my husband wants me to sin? You know, like what then? Okay, first of all, define sin. Sin is not like, can you park a foot to the left in the garage so we don't have an accident with our own vehicles? That is, come on, ladies, laugh. That's an actual thing that happened in our home. Like, that is not sin. It's just like, you don't want two insurance claims and then your premiums go up. That's just a thing, right? There are so many things in life that we spend all this time... The devil wants you to think everything is a moral issue. It is not. Sometimes it's just practical and you got to work it out. And it's going to be a lot of work and you got to fight and figure it out and figure out the budget. Like if I buy oranges and not apples, that is not a sin against God. It is not. You got to figure it out. Buy the cheapest ones. Come on, Dave Ramsey fans. Give me a... Okay. It's also not a sin when Pastor Aaron is like, you got to stop weed whacking my flowers, man. Like, what are you doing? I know that. I'm like, but I'm so fast. She's like... Every time you do that, I could be like, hey, I can make all the decisions here and I can weed wet flowers if I want to. It should be like, fine, I'll just go buy a bunch more flowers. That's not sin. It's just like, 
don't weed whack the flowers because it just makes a lot of sense. Come on. Come on, ladies. You don't want your flowers weed whack. Or guys, if you have flowers, you don't want to weed whack either, I guess. All right. Um, listen, your role in the family are we've landed or after 20 some years of what God, what works for us because of our gifting and our personality and everything. A lot of the roles are going to look differently. So here's what I would say about that. If I did our taxes, we would be in jail and you probably too, cause it would be that bad. Like how does the government owe us more than we made last year? And I'd be like, I don't know, but that's what the number said. She's like, you didn't even fill half of this out. And 13B didn't connect with it. And I'm like, I got tired. I got fatigued. I can't do this. Like it's numbers and lines. And like, I can't, I just can't Aaron. Um, but on the same time, if, if I left the bank book up to her, we'd be broke and probably in jail <laughs> because I got all this energy for it. And every time I'm like, did you budget app it? Did you put it in the bank book? And it only took like a lot of years to get her to this place where she is now perfectly trained. And she can actually do that except for the odd time when she forgets because I got energy and I'm like, when I pay, I take up my phone and it's in there and it's done, you know? So I provide that, she provides the other. You just gotta work it out. You just gotta work it out. And it has to do with gifting as well. Why would you want to use some, to, to be in charge of something and have to say in something that you're not gifted at? Now there are some relational things that I just go to her and I just do whatever she says because I'm like, God gave her a gift and I'd be an idiot if I didn't do that. She'll tell me like, well, this is what the person is feeling. And I'm like, they're being stupid. And she's like, the reason is because they're broken. And I'm like, but they're being stupid. And she's like, that's not going to help. Their dad was a maniac. And she explains it to me and explains how they're feeling. And I'm like, okay, 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 I get it. And on the other side of things too, I provide things like, don't talk to that person anymore because there's something wrong there. And it's going to get into my home and I don't want to deal with it. There's these roles. Can I break down the roles a little bit? God will anoint you women over men. Now it's not like I'm not a nurturer, but listen, God will anoint you more than he'll anoint your man for nurture. I don't know why it's like the Holy spirit. There's just something about you guys that God wants to unlock. Now you got to work in your gift too. And it's not like I haven't had to bring nurture up and I don't nurture. I am my four teenage daughter's accountability partner. It's but I love them enough that I'll do anything. I'll do anything that God tells me to do. But every morning I'm like, how's your heart? How's your mind? How's your purity? And if something's wrong, guess who's dealing with it? I told Aaron just last night, I'm like, you could. And she just, you know, acted like she fell asleep. You got to work it out so that the family honors God and you got to be willing to do whatever you got to do to honor Christ and you just got to do it. And I've had to, I've had to do a lot of things in my home that I have not necessarily been gifted at, but God has given me a gift over time and you just got to do it. You just got to learn how to serve because that's all that it, it's just about serving and marriage is all about forgiveness and moving on. Now, um, now God, you ready? You're going to love this. Listen, your gift keeps the other person out of things that the enemy will trap them in. So use your gift in your home. Now, if, if the woman is the hearth of the home, you're supposed to be putting a thermometer in everybody, including your husband and be like, how are you doing? How's your heart? You good? You good? You good? Now there's a society thing now where it's like, Hey, the men are supposed to do all this. I'm like, we can, but I don't know if it really works the same way. I just don't know that it does. You know what we're supposed to be doing? Fighting the devil for our family. Now, man, I'm calling you out. Fight the devil. Get the hold of the Wi-Fi password. Start like locking up. My kids should not have access to what they have access to. 
you got to work this out. you got to stand up and be like, I don't care what your friends have. This is why I'm doing this. This is so important. I want you pure and holy. I don't want you fighting with a 30-year pornography addiction because I was a permissive father who just didn't care enough to dig down. And Now, listen, you got to be the, the door of the home, which means like part of you, man, can I say this? I'm just going to call you out. Part of you, man, you got to be hard. you got to be like, devil, you, if you want to come in here, it's a street fight, man, and tacos always win. I'm saying, don't abdicate your role. Don't let your wife stand out there and get shot all the time. And get out there and take a little hurt for your family. Get out there and find out the, what God wants to do to your family. And this is good. Ladies, man, like you should be like in on that. There's this thing that God will anoint you to do. So don't abdicate your role. And is this helping a little bit? Okay. Now your family's going to look a little differently too. Like I want to say so many things about like how I don't do the dishes, but but I also want my kids have accountability partner and I would give that up in a heartbeat. No, I would not. I love my kids. I just thought I would say that because it was funny. Okay, let me. Now God has a wonderful plan for your life and so do your in-laws. How does it work, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Let me get into it. Let me get into it. A man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. So my dad came to me. Let me just show you through my family story how this worked. Now, my parents, they didn't grow up in super healthy homes, but God in one generation changed that story for us. So I grew up in a healthy home, and you can do the same thing for your kids too. Just what you grew up with does not mean you have to go and do the same thing, fall down the same traps. No. Uh, Post-Jesus health in family. That's what I like to call it. Like after Jesus fixed everything and did all the work that he does. Post-Jesus. Um, so this is what my dad said. That the, When I got married, my dad came to me, and he said, okay, son. Now, he's my pastor, so that role gets a little bit... I'll, I'll maybe talk about that. He said, okay, son. So now this is your home. Like, not his house. His house is still his house. If he wants to load the dishwasher this way, then... <laughs> load it however you want. And if I'm there, then I'm going to... No, it's his house. He wants him to park on the left side of the driveway. I'll park there. I don't care. It's his house, right? Are you laughing about this? You know that I don't do dishes. <laughs> I have daughters that need training, everybody. Oh, seriously? I think you need to understand what uh, my family has cost me. And I would gladly trade that for a lot of smaller things. But let me talk a little bit about the uh, extended family. And I'm going to introduce a little bit of tension here because uh, you can deal with it here or you can deal with it and, or never deal with it at home in the way that would honor God. Now, the whole point is that God is honored. So this is what happens. My dad came to me and he said, son... This is your marriage now, and you are not under your mother and I anymore. You are really under the local church. And so I, and I, I volunteered, I did this before you even had that talk with me. I think I'm like, I submit my marriage and my kids to the local church leadership because God only anoints whom he appoints, and I want that anointing. And so even now you're like, well, you're a pastor now. So who do you submit to? My pastor, Nate and Peter, pastor Aaron can at any time of the day or night, call them about anything. Complain about me if she needs to like literally anything. And I will do ready, whatever they say. I don't need to pray about it. I've prayed about it and I've placed myself under there. And I am a man who understands authority and has the fear of the Lord about that. It's not a struggle. Pastor Nate told me the other day, he's like, don't do that thing you're thinking of doing. And I'm like, okay. Like I used to fight that and it, it was 80% of my life's problems just fighting that conversation. And I just learned to give up a long time ago. And I'm like, awesome. Do it. Thank you for speaking. I told him one time, I'm like, you wouldn't ever not correct me 
over something, like I would consider that a, a very, uh, it would not be the kindness of the Lord to me if you would ever not correct something that you see. Like, please speak up and say something because I don't want to, everybody gets crazy, everybody. And the authority structure in the church family is the ultimate safeguard of my wife and daughters when I get crazy because they deserve to be daughters of God. And that's what I want for them. All right. So back to extended family. My dad says, when I come to your house now, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids because they're not my kids. I had my shot at raising kids. You are now, watch this. You are now an immediate family. Watch, watch. We are now extended. When we're all under the same roof and we're all and the kids are, and particularly before the kids get married. But as soon as that happens, now they are not immediate family anymore because your immediate family doesn't include cousins and uncles and aunts and 15 generations. It doesn't. It's like now this is a family unit. And so, so this is what happens here. God actually transfers the authority because your family ought to be submitted in a local church because God's anointing and blessing comes to you through there and correction as well, which means like, Hey, marriages, like that's why you need small group leaders because God will show them things that he will not show you. And as soon as I realize that I'm like, I better go to where God sends it so that I get God's gift. gift. Well, why doesn't God give it to, just to me? I've talked about this because you can stay proud that way. And when I got to go to people who are flawed and God says something and I'm do it, then God is like, good. I'll show you how I use imperfection. Aren't you glad that I use imperfection, Corey? And I'm like, I got thinking about it. I'm like, Ooh, I'm an imperfect father. Yes. I'm very glad that you used imperfect people. Please pour your anointing through so that I don't mess up my kids and my wife. All right. So now are, is that making sense? Now this is like, a, I feel this quiet because you haven't thought about it this way before. Now the immediate family is that unit of marriage and those children. So my dad's like, I, my direction is not like do this with your money. It is now you can do this with your money. If you want to, it's your money. You want to paint your door red or paint it blue. I don't have to come over and look at a blue door if I don't want to. That's up to you. If you want to. Now he was my pastor. So the odd time he'd put a pastor hat on to be like, and he did it a couple of times. Like, Hey, you need to be nicer to your wife. Come on, man. You're not God. Like, okay. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, you know? And so, but as my father, it changed to advice and, and uh, somebody at the church was like, is that going to be hard for you? And I'm like, no, cause I've already decided that I'm just going to do what my dad did. Cause it works I'm like, no, my daughters, when I hand them off in marriage, however, I'm still, hopefully they're going to go to this church and I'll be their pastor. <laughs> and I'd be like, you boys treat them right. Now, listen, unless there's cases of abuse and things like that, but that's also what the church family is there for. First of all, to catch those problems before they ever become actual problems in small group and vulnerability and obedience and community, right? But then in the worst case scenarios, yes, then when your church family comes up to bat, we take care of kids. We help you raise kids. We come in and we fight for your marriage and we're like, this is not over. We're going to fight for you. Come on, say man, It's good. All right. Now, um, I'm moving along. I feel like I'm very proud of myself. The first sermon was a disaster. So just be glad. There was good stuff in there too. There was good stuff. In there. Now, um, I could talk about how do you split up the duties of your marriage. I already kind of talked a little bit about that. Um, I think I'm good. <laughs> I said no preacher ever. Let me just end on this note. Let me just end on this note. You have to know where you are in all of this. And when God shows you your role, because God is not, listen, sin is not the problem because God has a solution for it. 
called the blood of Jesus. Um, an overbearing husband is not the problem. A, a rebellious wife, lying, cheating. These are not really the issues because I want to tell you this in great confidence that as the Lord has repaired us and the Lord has brought us through incredible healing, there is more than enough power in heaven to bring you through. I, I don't mean that it doesn't hurt still. I just mean that, like you walk with a bit of a limp, but we still are able to run. And so, but the limp also reminds us that God is perfect and nobody else is. And I still need forgiveness and I still need help and I still need direction. And I still need to submit uh, unto the Lord and whomever the Lord sets up in those places. But I want to say this, that your obedience will unlock change in the other person's heart. Because that's what we spend a lot of time doing. We try to change the other person's heart because we think their heart is the problem. And God is like, I just want to talk to you about your heart. And your obedience would unlock that too. Because what you really need is the miracle working power of God that one day you wake up and everything has changed. Because you, you took the risk and you were trusting in God enough to just do what he told you to do. And just live according to how he told. And just be like, I just want you to forgive her. You got to let it go. You just forgive her. I can't forgive her. Just say it 50,000 times a day if you have to. And sooner or later, it will change your heart because you are doing what God told you to do. And one day God's power will come in and shift the situation. And she won't be the same. You won't be the same. Your kids will have a future and a hope. Come on, God will get your finances back on track. But some of us, we've just lost hope. And so here's what I want to say. If you've lost hope for yourself, and some of you, you're waiting for a spouse. You're like, God, send me. And I'm like, I'm telling you, if you don't understand mutual submission, that you got to do whatever God tells you to do at any time. If you don't understand that, you could get the perfect spouse and you'd wreck it. You're not ready. So work on you, work on you, work on you. You're responsible for you in the sight of God. God sits in the middle of you in every relationship, I want to say, but particularly in marriage. Now, here's what I would say to those who are, single and searching if you're not happy without a spouse you won't be happy with one if you're not happy without a baby you won't be happy with one i'm telling you i know there's this deep need inside of your heart happiness comes from the lord not from people people can't make you feel significant and happy a little bit but not the way that god your heavenly father does and if you would go there and find those things then when you marry somebody it's not this like if they treat me bad then my self-esteem plummets she can't tell you what you're worth. She didn't make you. God made you. You already belong. You already have everything. You already have miracles. You already have, you already have a God who loves you and sacrificed himself for you. All right, listen, here's what I would say. The Cope family was very, very broken. And what you see now is a miracle and it belongs to God. But I'll tell you, our specific obedience unlocked that miracle. And without it, we wouldn't have the miracle. Now that is nothing we're proud of because God was very patient with us and our church family was very patient with us. But I got to say this, I got to say this. Obedience is up to you. Leave the results up to God. But I'll tell you, when you're obedient, that's when you can ask for a miracle.